W.H. Auden once wrote, Murder is unique in that it abolishes the party it injures, so that society has to take the place of the victim, and on his behalf, demand atonement or grant forgiveness. It is the one crime in which society has a direct interest. And this interest definitely sparked the LA natives back in February 16th of 1929, when two bodies were found at the famous Greystone Mansion. There's a mansion in Beverly Hills that left LA in the late 1920s shook. What happens when you mix oil, money, scandal, murder, and even lust under one roof? You get the Greystone Mansion. The Greystone Mansion was once built and owned by the famous Doheny's. It's a Tudor Revival mansion known for its gray stone that lays on a landscape estate with distinctive formal English gardens. But what it's most famous for is a murder mystery that happened on February 16th of 1929 when the bodies of Ned Doheny and his assistant Hugh Plunkett were found in the guest bedroom of the mansion. Possible murder-suicide? Or a crime of passion? Or was it something more? The paranormal aftermath. Find out what ghost resides behind the gray stone of the Greystone Mansion after I took a tour in 2009 with my sister. And is this the murder mystery that would finally bring Bryce to actually be a part of a seance? You definitely don't want to miss this episode. So let's take a killer tour of the Greystone Mansion. Hey guys, it's about damn time. Woo! I know. We were just too busy adulting. Is that what we would call it? As I sprawl out crying constantly. But but adulting, but being extra as fuck, right? Yeah. Yeah. Life is about balance. You gotta keep your shit on lock, but be a huge baby about it while you do it. (laughs) Exactly. We've been very busy, guys. Bryce has been... Showing off his talents on the North Hollywood stage. (laughs) (laughs) Not porn, I swear. (laughs) And I became a puppy mom. Oh, she's so cute. She is not happy right now, though. No, she's not. She's not living her best life. In the background, um, she's still in the middle of crate training. Mm -hmm. Because she's like, I run this bitch here in this apartment. Yeah, they really, you know, they think they're... You gotta teach him who's boss. Yes, you gotta teach him who's the alpha. It's fun, but... You know, my Sorry, guys. I have to disconnect my phone from my computer. Oops. <laughs> Oopsie. Since um, the last time we got a review, um, it was uh, called Amateur Hour. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Because they heard a lot of dings, and apparently we're a podcast that is based off of reading Yelp reviews. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. You know, know your brand. <laughs> also, I don't care what you say, random exactly. stranger. Like, it's fine. Ugh. That's what we do. We're just a, a podcast based on Yelp reviews and ghosts and true crime in Hollywood. Why not? I always want to know, like, I don't know. Here's a little peek into our producerial side, I suppose, mm-hmm. listeners. I just want to know then, like, well, then why are you listening? Like, it's okay. Like, <laughs> I'm not upset by that. Like, I am happy to hear criticism. I really am. Like... Oh, we accept we it. We can always get better. Like, yeah. I think we're pretty but transparent. Like, we, we are just doing our best. We're not professionals. Fun. We're not yeah. professionals. <laughs> but, like, if you don't like it, 100%, 
that's fine. But like, then why do you keep listening and like commenting negative things? Yeah, it's fine. I don't know. Like again, I'm always happy to get better, so I'll stop reading <laughs> Yelp. And Ghost Yelp is lit. So like, come it is on. so lit. It's lit as fuck. Come I tell on you. Now. I'm ready to read uh, other Yelp reviews about restaurants in the city. I mean, because mm-hmm. I'm so petty that way. Yeah. I'm New Orleanian, and New Orleanians know petty yeah. based on, you know, what we witnessed uh, during the Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, girl. <laughs> no one does petty like New Orleans. Yeah, that's so fair. <laughs> but we won't, we won't waste that time. We yeah. won't waste your time. on This isn't on, a sports podcast? I know. Or Yelp review podcast. Ooh. That, that. Ooh, ding, ding, ding. But this is definitely going to be an interesting episode, guys. Yeah. Because we are going to be talking about one of the most haunted, well, in my opinion, one of the most scandalous mansions in Beverly Hills and quite possibly one of the most haunted mansions in Beverly Hills as well, which is the Greystone Mansion, which sits on the cusp of Beverly Hills and West Hollywood. So we have a lot of history, mystery, scandal, and ghosts. What more can you ask for? Not much. Yelp reviews. Pizza, maybe. (laughs) I'm not eating pizza right now. So (laughs) you wish, though. I know. Always. (laughs) Always. And cheese. Mm, Lots of cheese. So real quickly, what we're going to do is just go over the history. And then Bryce will take us to church with the scandal. Yes. What happened on the night of February 16th, 1929. Don't Mm. worry. It will be full of wild conjecture and (laughs) socialist ranting. So you're welcome. And then, of course, the moment you've been waiting for, ghosts. So your girl here, Tammy, lived in WeHo for a couple of years. Her neighbor, my neighbor, um, was the head of security of Greystone. And my sister came to visit in 2009 just six months after I moved there, it was December, she came to visit, mm. and um, we were out on the porch shooting the shit, and my, here comes my neighbor, like, hey, what, what do you got planned? Like, what are you guys doing? What are you guys up to? Um, come by the mansion. I'll give you a tour, a VIP tour. Jesus. And it was amazing. That's it was so sweet. It was so sweet, and my sister had some things. She experienced some things that are unexplainable. Wow. And when I went to New Orleans this past week and I interviewed her. So we have a very <gasps> awesome interview with my sister Ashley Merheb Lacey and she also shares a couple of other little ghost tales based out of New Orleans because she has a sixth sense and it's pretty strong and based on the story it's, you know, it just shows proof of, you know, just that. Amazing. So, yeah. And terrifying. Very terrifying. That's so cool. I'm very, very excited to play for you guys. So let's just jump into it, shall we? We shall. All right, guys. So in order to begin, we need to go all the way back. We need to go all the way back to 1856, and this is why. So here's the history as we begin with a man by the name of Edward Lawrence Doheny. He's the original proprietor of the Greystone land. He was born in 1856 in the small Midwestern town of Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, Bless. you Midwesterners, we, once again. We really do it. You, you go big or go home. So by the time he was a young teen, Doheny's adventuresome spirit and love of the wilderness led him to prospecting for gold and soon thereafter oil. So in 1892, Doheny and his friend Charles A. Canfield were the first to strike oil in LA and they later discovered large oil deposits in Mexico which combined with their LA holdings which made them the largest 
producers of oil in the world at the time. Damn. So they were billionaires. So Edward Doheny and his wife, Carrie Luella Wilkins, had two children, and their first, a daughter, Elaine, passed away when she was just seven years old. And on November the 6th, 1893, their only son, Edward Ned Lawrence Doheny Jr., was born and grew up as heir to one of the world's greatest financial empires. So Ned went on to marry Miss Lucy Smith of Pasadena, and in 1926, Edward Lawrence Doheny Sr. gave his son, as a wedding gift, a premium parcel of land consisting of 12.58 acres with sweeping citywide views. Damn. I know. When you're bad and bougie right there. Like, I just want to let everyone know, like, if you're getting married, you're getting, like, a firm handshake as a gift for me. Like, (laughs) you are not getting property in Beverly Hills. Like, let me be very clear about that. (laughs) My husband and I got married for the food because we just knew our parents were paying for that. So, might as well. (laughs) Yes. I still think about the food that was at my sister's wedding. It was so good. Oh, Ugh, it's just so that's good. all we cared about was the food and the drinks because yeah. we got married in New Orleans and that's all that mattered to us mm-hmm. was the food, the drink, and the music. Yeah, those are the big three for oh, me. Oh, big three, always. Like, not that anyone asked, but <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're in the midst of planning, may I just lightly suggest that you skip the flowers? Like, 100% I get it. 100% agree. I get it. They're beautiful. Oh, my God. But it is the most expensive part of your day and they are dying. Like they're, they're thrown away they're thrown by the away. end like, of the day. Do tea lights. Do anything else. But like, <laughs> I promise you, I promise you, it's not worth it. No. Again, nobody asked. <laughs> we had... <laughs> We had paper flowers. Oh, we I love found that. this artist on Etsy mm-hmm. who um, re- had upcycled paper. Obsessed. And craft paper, and she turned them into paper flowers. And I bought, I think, my bouquet and even like the boutonnieres for the men and the corsages for the women mm-hmm. and our centerpieces. I think. I spent close to only three fifty on flowers. But even yeah. if it was like really expensive, that's yeah. really cool because it's now like a memento from your wedding that you'll have forever. Yeah. Like, and it's beautiful and it's original. Like, even if you're like, it was three thousand dollars, I'd be like, yeah, but you still fucking have that. That's beautiful. Exactly. My roommate who's getting married this summer is growing the succulents that will be in like her centerpieces Holy and like shit. her boutonnieres in our garden <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. I can't grow anything. The succulents you basically can't kill, honestly. I have killed some no, of them. No, like, it's so no. bad. I'm really... No, this is the girl that just adopted a dog. Oh. <laughs> Tammy gets reported. Plants, <laughs> plants want to die. Dogs plants want to live. Like, it's here fine. in the valley don't survive, especially in my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> But that is, yeah, that is so true, guys. Do, don't waste your money on flowers. I've seen every single bouquet be thrown away from my sister's and yeah. my friend's wedding, too. We are losing our entire floral listener base right now. <laughs> They're just like, we're done with this. Dear I'm writing a Yelp review Tammy. as a florist, and I am furious. Like, oh, sorry. One star. <laughs> a ghost told me to not get flowers at my wedding. I'm sorry. Watch one star. We get a review. That's like, okay. as a florist. <laughs> Honestly, I just listened to the Greystone Mansion an episode. If, that, if someone does that, I will send them whatever they want. Like, yeah, me you, too. You legend. I know. I'm obsessed. <laughs> anyway. Anywho, back to reality. <laughs> Sidetrack. Okay, so construction on the Palatial Manor home began February 15th of 1927 and although Ned and his wife Lucy and their five children moved into the residence in September of 1928, the estate took three years to complete at a cost of over three million dollars an amount unimaginable 
even during that time, I mean, three million in the 1920s, come on. Mm -hmm. That's still like what you purchase for a house in Bel Air or around Beverly Hills, right? So the original cost to construct Greystone's entire estate was 3.2 million. And the mansion alone cost two point no one point three million, and the extraordinary result became known as Greystone for its abundant use of the stone construction, and its rather somber gray appearance. So, in addition to the mansion, originally located on the grounds were stables and kennels, tennis courts, even a fire station, gatehouse, swimming pool, and pavilion, a greenhouse, a lake, bobbling brooks, and cascading waterfalls. Every introvert's dream, in my opinion. But on the night of February 16th of 1929, only five months after the family had moved in, Ned Doheny was found shot to death inside the home, which Bryce will cover soon because that is one hell of a crazy story with many theories attached to it. Yes. So... Lucy continued living in the Greystone after Ned's death until 1955, after which she and her second husband, Lee M. Batson, sold the majority of the original land to the Paul Trosdale Corporation, developers of Beverly Hills' prestigious uh, Trosdale estate homes. The following year, Lucy and her husband sold for approximately $1.5 million, the remaining 18.3 acre parcel, including Greystone Mansion to Henry Crown of Chicago-based Park Gray Corporation. Mr. Crown, however, never formally occupied the site, but instead leased it out as a popular filming location, a legacy Greystone still manages and maintains today, which is very true. National Treasure was filmed there. I like googled the list or like oh yeah you can wikipedia i think it's oh actually part of it and like yeah. the list of things that have been filmed there is like at least four times more than i recognize like off the top of my head like, yes damn literally everything oh, is filmed everything there. was filmed there yeah there will be blood and we have in my sister's story in her interview um she mentions something that steve had kept from one of the film crews when one of their sound guys left a recorder on overnight and he collected something that none of us can explain yeah it's insane so the city of beverly hills purchased the property from mr crown in 1965 for approximately 1.3 million with plans to install a 19 million gallon water tank on the property as its hilltop site provided tremendous natural water pressure And this site continues to serve as the city of Beverly Hills' largest reservoir. So on September 16th of 1971, the entire 18.3 acre site, including its centerpiece Greystone Mansion, was formally dedicated as a public park by the city of Beverly Hills. Five years later, on April 23rd, 1976, Greystone Estate was officially recognized as a historic landmark and was entered into the Registry of Historic Places, which means they cannot knock it down or turn it into a condo. Thank you know goodness. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> More housing. <laughs> More unaffordable housing. Right. Like, mm-hmm. That's the thing is everything that's not sort of earmarked just gets demolished so quickly. Yeah. It's here one day and gone the next. Yeah. It's really jarring. It is. It's like that everywhere and not just here. Yeah, I was uh, at the Vegan Street Fair this past weekend. I know. You sound so (laughs) I don't even know who I am anymore. If I ever say I did yoga, I just want you to hit me. Um, But I was at the Vegan Street Fair, which was around the block 
of my old apartment building. So it was like the two blocks along the one side of the building and mm-hmm. then like the two blocks along the front side of the building. And it was super fun and like everything tasted so amazing. Uh, and there were so many new buildings I didn't recognize where I was. I was like, I don't remember like this many. There's four new mega apartment structures. Ours used to be the only one on the block. And now it's just one of like yes. six in a row. Now it's harder for me to find parking. Oh, God, yeah. That when means, I go do yoga. There, well, there it is. Yeah. That's your first mistake. There it is. Yeah, yeah but it's so true. It's such, The city's so quick with its growth. I just don't understand because they're like, yeah, there'll be like 100,000 new units in the next like three years. And yet we're still in a housing crisis. Yeah. It's just such a nightmare. It's all unaffordable housing, but mm. it's still people like gravitate towards those yeah. properties. I'm like, what do you do? I guess I'll just live at Greystone. Fine. It's fine. Right. Cause, I mean, it is public park. Oh, there so. you go. <laughs> oh, God. So, Bryce, you have the receipts yes. on what happened that night on February. So, I'm going to just sort of give the official version. Okay. Because then there are myriad theories that sort of plug in the holes of what I think is happening in the official version. There's a lot of things that don't quite add up, shockingly. Yes. You know. Um, so, yes, on in February of 1929, which was a few months after they had moved in. Which is sad. Like, they couldn't, like, I know. <laughs> they weren't able to enjoy the rest of their time. There. I know. They just they were settling in and unpacking boxes. Mm-hmm. Is that, I don't think rich people unpack their own boxes. No, they had other people unpack yeah, those boxes. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> so actually I'm going to go back a little further because, uh, one of the main players in this murder mm-hmm. is the family friend and employee, uh, Hugh Plunkett. Oh my God. So yeah. he essentially was the right hand man and was very connected and was even doing things like signing checks on behalf of the Do- the Dohenies. So if you think about it, they're like 1920s millionaires, which is like low-key modern-day billionaires. Like, they're mm-hmm. the richest people on the West Coast. And... Not yet. Not like Kardashian status. No. no. There, <laughs> there was no injections yet. So, um, so they obviously trust him very much. He is essentially a member of the family, but he works for them. Mm-hmm. And so... Because it's the 1920s and because this is oil money, um, they essentially get wrapped up in what is considered the now second greatest or third greatest scandal in American politics. Mm-hmm. And they, the Doheny family is essentially accused of bribing a cabinet member uh, I believe it was the Secretary of Interior, yes. Um, they bribed him $100,000, and he was in the Warren G. Harding cabinet. So essentially, if you think about a timeline, we are right before the Great Depression, mm-hmm. and this is so catastrophic that it mars Warren G. Harding's presidency. And it's called the uh, Teapot Dome Scandal, because they essentially bribe the Secretary of Interior to give them the access to, at the time, one of the largest oil reserves 
known. And the reason it was called that is because it was shaped like a teapot. So again, oh, I was about yeah. to ask that. Yeah, Not and it was like a super original. <laughs> and it was like a government. I think it was like a government. And it was on oil government reserve. property. So <laughs> essentially, what happens when there's natural resources discovered on like protected lands, mm-hmm. in theory is that the government allows private contractors to bid on those and then like the best bid wins the contract. Right. They bribe the Secretary of Interior and he essentially gives it the tiny little helicopter. Sorry. We live in LA. Yeah. Nothing's ever quiet. The helicopter knows that I'm about to go on a very long pipeline ramp. But yeah, that's why I flew over. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and so what happens is that Hugh Plunkett and Ned Doheny allegedly are the ones that deliver this suitcase full of money to the White House. And because of that, the Doheny family and corporation is granted the access to this oil reserve without any competition and without any real bid. I think they paid something stupid, like a dollar. It was, like, incredibly scandalous. So they're implicated, and it's, like, full-on senatorial investigation, People are being accused. Uh, E.L. Doheny, who is the father, mm-hmm. is being, like, implicated. Right. Ned Doheny's being implicated. And Hugh Plunkett is being implicated. And so it sort of becomes this, like, chaotic whodunit right. between this family on the West Coast and the Harding presidency. Because at the time, they didn't know how high it went. Like... The Secretary of the Interior is, like, pretty close to the president. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, that all happens. And so amidst all this turmoil, uh, Hugh Plunkett goes to Greystone Manor. He has his own access. He enters the home and sort of, I don't know, Star Trek intercoms (laughs) Hugh. I don't know what kind of technology they had back then. It's the 20s, so it could be anything. I think they did have intercoms in there. It was like a little buzzer. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So this, it's sort of to give you like a scope of the home. He enters like a a more like back entrance through like Mm -hmm. a little gate, garden gate. And rather than like walking to where he knew Hugh probably was, uh, he buzzes him and is like, hey, we need to talk. And this is very late at night. I believe around like 11. Um, and so now that's like the sort of last thing. There was a gateman who let him in. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of like the last sort of known whereabouts that we know from an outside source. Because the rest of this testimonial and like what we are able to piece together is from Lucy Doheny. So she is allegedly sitting by herself reading in the library in a separate part of the home and she hears a gunshot uh she then calls the family doctor and he comes and he's nearby he's at like a theater in Mm -hmm. beverly hills so he like sort of drives right up the hill and he and Lucy then start exploring the home looking for the source of the gunshot. And they uh, see Hugh come out from the home. I'm sorry, from the room in a separate part of the house. And he's allegedly very frantic. Mm-hmm. And he has a gun in his hand. Oh, wow. And then he runs back, slams the door, and they hear a second gunshot. 
when they open the door, he has killed himself, is, again, the official story. And this is what's reported by newspapers, you know, the next day. This yeah. is sort of what the official police report. And uh, it's actually not until two hours later. So that occurred around like 11, 1130, mm-hmm. around like 1230 or midnight. Uh, the police are finally called based on the phone records. <laughs> so that's like a solid two hours that we have only based on like this woman's word and this like doctor. Um, also during this time, several of Lucy Doheny's relatives who lived in Beverly Hills had been called before the police and had shown up at the home. And they don't know who called them, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And so there's sort of two hours that like nobody knows. But during those two hours, the bodies of the two men had been moved from right. their original locations. So that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like definitely fine for a crime scene to have been moved around by like Gosh. family members and God knows who else. That's this fine. reminds me of the George Reeves case. Mm-hmm. I remember when mm-hmm. like after they hear their hear the shot and then they go up and they're oh they realize oh George shot himself. Let's just wait two hours before we call the cops. So let me call that lawyer first. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm getting there. <laughs> really ramping up. I'm try- I am trying to stay as close to the... But so much of it is alleged. And mm-hmm. the actual story, again, this is like a huge hole, which yeah. I, will, I will be filling. <laughs> um, so, essentially, that's actually the full thing. And so, sort of... The aftermath of this is that Congress doesn't continue pursuing the now only surviving member of the Doheny family who is being alleged mm-hmm. of the scandal of bribery because they like kind of give him a pass for being like a grieving father. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, that seems fine as well for justice, but okay. Um, and as you said, Lucy continues living in the home and the police sort of close the case almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is reported, her word is sort of reported in the newspapers right away and it becomes the official version of the story. Um, one small, and I think this leads to a lot of like the questions that we're going to ask because we're going to go back through it. Um, Ned is not buried in the family cemetery, which was a Catholic cemetery. They were a very religious Catholic family. Obviously, they donated a lot of money to the church, but he is buried at Forest Lawn, which yeah. is just around the corner in Glendale. It literally is. It's like yeah. ten, 10 minutes away from here. Yeah, so he is buried there as well as Hugh Plunkett, uh, and they're buried quite close to one another, I think, mm-hmm. like, Caddy Corner. Um, so, again, this is never really explained because he they do come from such a Catholic family, mm-hmm. but whether it's because it was deemed a suicide or they thought it was a murder, you know, some things that I'm going to be talking about. I find it's so fine. interesting that, like, Ned is buried on the tippy top of this little hill, and on the bottom is right. Hugh. Yeah. Always... You know, right there behind. Yeah. So that's essentially the official story is right. that like Hugh Plunkett shot Ned and then shot himself. Um, so we're going to kind of work backwards because the first real issue 
is that the bullet wound uh, forensic evidence determined that Plunkett, who was the alleged murder suicider, mm-hmm. that's the official term, uh, was found face down, and that the bullet wound was uh, sh- shot through the back of his head from a very short distance. Hmm. So, you know, that's like a pretty hard place to shoot yourself in the head. Or if he was indeed in such a state of panic yeah. as he was described, you wouldn't necessarily think to shoot yourself in the back of the head when it's much easier and faster to just do, do it, it yeah. right away. Just a little thing. Um, so let's go backwards in time. And essentially, now just into my wild conjectures. Because that is the official story. Mm-hmm. And because there was no evidence that was collected, because it was a closed case almost immediately, we don't kind of have the advantage of like, but there's these pieces of evidence that don't line up. There's just these gaps in the timeline. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of just now get to talk about what I think happened. (laughs) It's super official. Tell me what you think happened. So, here's a couple of things. Uh, If you're ever in a situation where you see someone get shot or murdered, you need to call the police immediately. Not a doctor. Like, I don't know why I need to give that advice in 2019, but if you're out there and you need to hear it, like, you need to call them immediately. Like, no family friends, no lawyers, no Mm -hmm. doctors. Like, you have to call the police first because it looks shady as hell right call your lawyer second like yeah lawyer up know your rights do not answer any questions until your lawyer is present even if they like lock you in a room for 40 hours like Mm -hmm. don't answer a single question without a lawyer but call your lawyer second because it looks like you're trying to hide something and so my issue with this is like if I even hear a creak outside my home I'm like ready to call the police (laughs) She hears a gunshot in her home and is just, like, fine with it. She calls a family doctor, waits till he gets there. They just saunter through the home looking for the sound of this gunshot. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so, I'm going to start with why I think Hugh Plunkett was there in the first place. And it's because I think they were trying to make him take the fall for mm-hmm. the bribe. Yeah. And this is like rich person power play 101 is that like you have a person whom you treat like a member of the family who is signing checks for you, who's making decisions on your behalf, who's like your right hand person and best friend of your son, but they're not family. No. And especially like big money like this, if someone's going to take the fall, it's not going to be EL. It's not going to be Ned. Mm-hmm. It's going to be this scapegoat who's on your payroll, essentially. Right. And so the paper trail starts leading up to him, mm-hmm. especially. And Hugh actually was already in trouble and under federal investigation independently for embezzlement and other issues. But he, they had evidence that he was writing checks on behalf and making decisions, especially during the construction of the mansion, on behalf of E.L. Doheny. And so it's a very short jump to be like, we didn't tell him to take that bribe. He just thought he had permission, and we didn't tell him to do that. We didn't know. I mean, my finger quotes are going so aggressively. We didn't know he was doing that. 
the hard sell on that is that Ned was there as well, allegedly. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm allegedly. <laughs> he's a ghost. He's fine. Um, and so I think it starts becoming very clear to Hugh that he's going to be the scapegoat. Mm-hmm. And then, so he shows up to get Ned to knock it off, essentially. And I think he knew that the father, that E.L., wouldn't budge that like probably that was his plan to her his idea but that ned as his best friend would maybe be a little bit more sympathetic and so i think that's why he was there because they had been uh subpoenaed at this point yeah and so they like have to show up it's like do or die time and i think he knew that they were going to show up and throw him under the bus Mm. so that's why i think he was there first of all Second of all, and this is the one, like, rant number two, buckle up. It's very (laughs) interesting to me in researching this that, like, all of the journalism of the day and all of the, like, blogs that discuss it are like, oh, no, they're not gay. And let me tell you something very clearly. Mm -hmm. As someone who has been in love with many straight men to no end they were gay I don't know what to tell you (laughs) but they were gay like every single thing is like oh and like there was no proof that they were gay I'm like okay I'm sorry it's the 20s (laughs) never question the gaydar of a gay man never do not do it don't like I think that's what it would take to get me to do a seance is to like prove that they were gay. Like <laughs> whip that Ouija board out. They're fucking gay. Dear Greystone Mansion. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Me crying the whole time. Like, I have to do it for the community. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Our listeners start a petition. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. oh my god, we have to see Bryce do a seance. It, you're, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's gonna be a real mess. But I just it's so and I, of course I'm bringing my own baggage to this. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm sorry. Whenever you're like old timey newspaper reporting is like they're bosom buddies. I'm like, yeah, that's a different word for gay lovers. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. So fine. There is no proof, quote quote, 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 that they were ever romantically involved. But like again, hyper conjuring on my part. Mm-hmm. I think she discovered them because they were in a very remote part of the house. Well, yeah. The, if you sort of look at like the blueprint layout, he comes up from the back through this like little gated garden wall kind mm-hmm. of gate and then enters like a sort of mud room, I assume. I don't know what rich people call it, but it's like a little back half in half out and then he goes to like a very small bedroom in like a wing of the house and she's like where um ned and lucy like reside is like the almost exact opposite of the home where like the living quarters are right so like if you're trying to sleep with someone's husband in her own home this is where you would do it it was one of the guest suites and i know that mm-hmm. he had his own like mm-hmm. he i think i wouldn't no he didn't live in the mansion he had a guest that night he was coming from his apartment he had his his own home yeah but he did have access there and stayed over yeah he even i think he had a key yeah he let himself in yeah they let him onto the property he let himself into the home damn so like i don't know i've only had keys to like two kinds of apartments and like they either have my name on the lease or i'm sleeping with the person inside (laughs) of them do you know what i mean yeah so again 
And there's LAPD, there's, you know, yeah, making know. a confirmation. They're coming to arrest <laughs> Welcome me. Welcome to LA, guys. Yes. Like, this is how it is in the background. <laughs> They're coming to arrest me for gay conjecture. There you go. Fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, I think that she discovered them in bed and that she shot them is what I really think happened. And wow. I think they were gay lovers, and I think that's why he was there, because it's the classic, like, my hard... I mean, his dad had a literal, like, Colonel Sanders mustache. It was, like, straight <laughs> out of a textbook. Mm-hmm. I just think it's the 20s, and it was a sort of sexual liberation, but only if it was done behind closed doors. Right. And I think if the dad knew, he would have squashed that immediately and so I just think it's 100% vi- it's yeah. very obvious to me that yeah. like Hugh was coming to like plead with his lover to like get him out from under his father's mm-hmm. thumb mm-hmm. and Ned was so trapped by his family's fortune in my opinion and then Lucy caught them and shot them and then called the doctor and her family <laughs> and just like be booped around for two hours moving the bodies mm-hmm. crafting a story creating an alibi and because they are rich like at the end of the day they're so rich that there are literally no ramifications to this everyone feels bad for the family mm-hmm. the father is de-subpoenaed and the scandal just goes away I think we would consider this a greater scandal in American history had there been actual prosecution that was pursued. Mm -hmm. But because it just goes away, because they're like, oh, he's sad. Like, let's just let him be alone and grieving. And then he dies. This was a a pretty, yeah, this was a huge scandal. Even like, this was before and bigger than Watergate. Well, that's what everyone says is that, like, because Watergate had, like, consequences. Right. Because, like, it was the end of Nixon's presidency. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, in many ways, this was the end of Harding's presidency as well. But mm-hmm. because there was actual legal action and consequence and, like, hearings, I think that's why we think about Watergate more. Whereas, like, this, I think, could have been, had they actually pursued, the biggest scandal. I mean, it's just mind-blowing. Yeah. That, like, someone was able to bribe that high of a government official and then there were no ramifications like he didn't stop being rich and corrupt after his son died no he continued yeah (laughs) and then like a couple years later he dies and they're like he died of a broken heart i was like that was like 15 years ago like i know he might be sad but like that's not how that works he had his money Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so those are my wild completely (laughs) (laughs) fact-based opinions because at the end of the day is it possible that the story that Lucy portrayed is true 100% and that she, the things that are sort of holes in the plot can be attributed to her shock and grief? Yeah, it really is possible and probable and that's fine. But just in my opinion, before you hate mail me, <laughs> is that rich people protect themselves mm-hmm. and their money first and that she knew what was at stake and it seems to me like this was a very convenient way to cover up an otherwise like ugly scandal of like her husband being homosexual do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean yeah so it's like all the pieces like if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck if it looks like your gay son is having an affair with like your 
business henchmen and like they ha- there's a way to get rid of them so that you look like the victim yeah. and not like an adulterist wife that's what word I just made up that's the way you take you know what I mean mm-hmm. so again you can send me your socialist hate mail <laughs> it's fine I hear how it sounds but I again at the end of the day I know a gay love triangle when I see one and this is a gay love triangle I I don't think it was a crime of passion though really I don't think they were gay lovers I think that Ned and he loved each other yeah and there was something there I think something happened between them interesting I believe that something intimate did happen between mm-hmm. them and I believe because of what was being speculated and I'm sure you know EL sat down with little Ned was like son mm-hmm. <laughs> let me tell you about our family mm-hmm. and let me tell you about the press and let me just tell you like to not put your dick in everything right mm-hmm. now you know this is this shouldn't be happening you need to cut it and you need to cool mm-hmm. it what I believe happened is because you have to understand who Hugh Plunkett is. Mm-hmm. And my biggest question is, how did this man get involved and became really close friends with Ned? That was my biggest question. Yes. It was who was who Hugh Plunkett and why did he go so far? So based on my research with Hugh, mm-hmm. he was originally from Illinois. He came to LA with his family so he was married mm-hmm. he comes to LA with his family in 1912 he worked as a mechanic and get this at a service station owned by W.P. Smith the vice president of the Santa Fe Railroad and the father of Lucy so when Smith's daughter Lucy marries little Ned in 1913 Hugh was hired to be their chauffeur Damn. so that's how yeah. he got involved with this couple and of course, if you, you, I don't know if you ever seen movies like, you know, Driving Miss Daisy, you know, mm-hmm. the, the chauffeur is like always the one that has like, you know, the clear eye, you know, these like, you know, words of wisdom. Mm-hmm. They're, they're always the one. A listening have, ear. A listening totally. ear. Like, if you don't mind my opinion, sir, mm-hmm. like, this is what I believe, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure that him and Ned, this is how it started. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how they got together. And after serving, he served in the U.S., Navy during World War One. After serving, Plunkett became his close friend and personal secretary, as we, you know, as you mentioned, and a trusted family mm-hmm. aide. And then he was all of a sudden, you know, the accomplice of this bribe, this huge bribe. Mm-hmm. What I was also told is that, um, doing more research, Hugh had a lot of loose screws in his head. Yeah. He was very vindictive, and according to family members and friends, um, very close to the Doheny's, he was very off yeah and it could be linked to what he went through during world war one could be yeah um which could be the reason why you know he had the gun in the first place you know you never know he knew how to shoot a weapon he knew you know how to operate it so there you go this whole problem with this bribe and I'm sure at this time he's going even more insane. Oh, Ned is pushing himself away from me. Now we're not intimate anymore. Now we're not friends anymore. You know, this is like, you know, what you feel internally, like getting close to a breakup. (laughs) And from what I researched, it seemed like they had what they were, what they claim were two, might've been two pieces of paperwork Mm -hmm. that 
Ned wanted him to sign that night, which is why he came over. Yeah. So there's one theory that Ned wanted him to sign his name away to a sanatorium because Ned cared about him so much and he was going crazy and crazy because especially with this time approaching that they had to go on trial for, you know, this whole big, you know, Mm -hmm. teapot dome scandal was to sign his name away, plead in Sandy, go into a sanatorium. That was one theory. And, you know, there was a huge scuffle. He totally didn't want to do that. Shot Ned then shot himself. Another one was uh, a non-disclosure Mm, agreement mm-hmm. you're not going to say anything you know damn that was another one too or it could have been an agreement to you know take the blame and step away yeah get it all done on paper Ugh. Mm-hmm. that's what i like to me like that one of those one of those options yeah. could have been but then again yeah it could have been like you mentioned like lucy catching on to them and you know trying to save her ass at the same time so what do you think happened during the two hours then that is a good question what happened during those two hours i believe that lucy heard a shot Mm -hmm. and didn't think anything of it call the doctor they come up with some story of what happened totally or if you know ned or ned did it i mean not ned um hugh did it and they're trying to come up with a story based on ned yeah, I mean, they would still need an alibi regardless of whom did it, yeah. honestly. Mm-hmm. Is the doctor a very close family friend, you know? Mm-hmm. How well does the doctor know Lucy? Lucy had how many children? Five? Right. So he knows the family pretty well. He yeah. knows Lucy pretty well. I'm sure Lucy confided in this doctor. Call the doctor. Doctor comes by. They see you know the post-mortem and they try to come up with what happened Mm -hmm. what can we tell the detectives and the press and whatnot Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah and i just love that the family shows up too yeah (laughs) i'm gonna just keep calling people like third cousin let's go should someone call the police no 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 no. well that's how it is like when something happens with these celebrities call my lawyer call my manager call my publicist call my publicist Mm -hmm. those are the three people yeah my publicist, manager, and lawyer call them all three. Yep. Yeah. How to get away with, with murder. murder. <laughs> How to get away with murder. Hello, weird style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think happened? Mm. Yeah, I think there definitely is an element of, you know, the business side of it creeping in. I think for, yeah, like we know he was there to sign paperwork. We know he was there to talk about the allegations mm-hmm. and the trial and so I think it's just all like a stew of like what which impulse wins out in the end mm-hmm. the like loyalty to family the loyalty to self the loyalty to your best friend slash lover the loyalty to your wife who knows like at the end of the day I think I still think that Lucy killed them and the only reason I think that is because of the gunshot in the back of the head mm-hmm. because it's just it just doesn't happen. Like, you don't shoot yourself in the back of the head. Right. It would be... I mean, if you think about how you're holding a gun, it would be so unnatural if you're in a, like, chaotic state. So, that's the only reason why I think maybe she... Who knows? Maybe she walked maybe in and he had the gun and he, and the he gun, like, yeah. reacted. Like, that's definitely possible, too. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that she's as innocent as she... As her True. story... Yeah. 
you know what I mean? It like, seems too clean. I was yeah. reading in the library. Maybe this is about me again because, like, <laughs> I think they're gay. That's my gay baggage. No, no, She's I, I agree. She's reading at yeah. 11 o'clock at night. That is too late. Like, go to bed. Like, <laughs> Get oh, your beauty rest, girl. Yeah, I'm like, maybe that's just you. Like, oh, maybe. <laughs> no. <laughs> maybe. Like, maybe he shot Ned and, like, dropped the gun and she came in mm. and there was, like, a scuffle or something mm. and she shot him yeah. in the back of the head. Who, Who knows? knows? I mean... Yeah, we'll never know the true story. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's all embedded in the walls within that mansion, guys. And again, like, the official report was filed the next day. So, exactly. That's it. Exactly. All right, guys. So, let us know what you think happened. Email us. Tell us your thoughts at hollyweirdparanormal at gmail.com. Slash Yelp. (laughs) Write a review about us on Yelp. Hilarious. (laughs) Not on iTunes. All right, guys, so we go into the paranormal aftermath. So first, I'm going to read the story of this woman's account that I found on Gula LA's story on the Greystone Mansion, and this was on their message board. So um, I'm going to read the story, and then I have an amazing story of what my sister and I experienced when we were given a private VIP tour of the mansion. So I interviewed her, and you are not going to believe how this woman's story that I'm going to read to you guys correlates with my sister's story. Damn. Yeah, it was, it gave me shivers when I realized, oh crap, like, they sell the same shit. (laughs) So here we go. All right. I was visiting Greystone for a second time in 1992. I went with a friend of mine, Camilla, who had never seen it, and I was interested in taking a look. Unlike my first visit, the grounds were completely empty, no other visitors on this particular day. It was around 3.30 in the afternoon, a nice sunny afternoon, but I could not help feeling just a little creeped out. We strolled past a long birdbath and walked past a corridor of long windows. Perfectly, I noticed something, and before I could convince myself it was merely nothing, I heard Camilla say, and in a rather uneasy tone, what the hell is that? No. Okay, great. Now she sees it too. This was all the confirmation I needed to know. I was not hallucinating, and what we saw was an eerie black figure floating very high near the top of the windows. It looked like the ceilings inside were very high so this made it even creepier the figure floated in a wavy fashion i saw no feet no hands but a dark long looking robe not unlike that of of the grim reaper it was just not a pleasant sight of course not i can tell you that it it was just whatever it was was checking us out Yes, maybe because we were on its turf so to speak I had a sense of calm, but it was an, it was an instinct to get away from wherever we were. I told Camila to walk slowly with me, and when we reached the stairs, we nearly had a dual panic attack. Upon reaching her car, I had said that my brother told me that many films were you know shot on this location, mm-hmm. thinking what we saw might have been a prop or an effect. But Camila then pointed out that if it were a film being filmed there on that on that property. During that time, then, where are the crew members? Mm. No other cars but ours were in the parking lot. Everything was just completely barren. Oddly enough, my brother told me that he worked on a commercial at Greystone, and he said that he felt an awful presence that made him never want to go back there ever again, no matter what the pay was. So the house itself is gorgeous, and it is sad that any tragedy occurred there. I know there are Lots of folklore about Greystone, Mm. but what I saw was real. 
but wary if you visit the site. Grounds, um, the groundskeepers have quit with fear, saying that they um, hear screams at night, which mm-hmm. I like to comment no, because Steve, when Steve was living above me, he, you know, told me that he loved this place so much. Mm-hmm. He, at that time, he was carrying 15 years working oh, wow. at the Grayson. That's how much he loved it. And he told me and my sister mm-hmm. some pretty crazy stories. He saw his first full body apparition there. Oh. And I tried contacting him for the podcast, but I couldn't get a hold of him. Yeah, that's hard. So I'm going to play you guys um, my interview with my sister. She hey. goes on to describe how we got you know this awesome VIP tour with Steve, what happened during that tour, and also a little tidbit about like what she has been going through with her um, I guess her sixth sense, mm-hmm. her thoughts on it, and how it's kind of carried on to her new house in New Orleans. So, damn, be prepared, guys. Buckle so up. here it is. So start with your first and last name. So my name is Ashley Merheb Lacey, and yes, I am the controversial sister <laughs> of Tammy Merheb Chavez. And I currently live in New Orleans, and I believe the year was 2009. Mm -hmm. I had planned my first trip to Los Angeles. I was super excited. Um, I had a job, so I was actually like paying for my plane ticket all by myself. I felt like such an adult. Oh my gosh. And so kind of the, like... I don't know. We kind of didn't plan any anything no. when I came. Mm-mm. I remember just nagging at you and saying, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? Are we doing something now? Are we doing, <laughs> like, what are we doing? And then you were like, ah. And actually, I think it was like the first actual full day that I was there. It was raining. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned something to your neighbor who lived upstairs. What was his name, Steve? Steve, Yeah. So Steve apparently was the groundskeeper at the Greystone Mansion, Mm -hmm. and he was so nice. He was like, yeah, if you guys just want to come for like a tour, I'd be more than happy to have you, and probably it's the best day to come pay a visit because it's raining and nobody comes. No one comes here when it's raining. And I was like, yes. I think it was closed too, wasn't it? Because they were doing some sort of remodeling inside. They had the grounds open, but they I don't think they had the interior open, right? I guess. I don't know. Because <laughs> I was, remember us being the only ones in there. And we there were. were. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember being like the only people there. I want to say there was like a small group of people there, but I mean, it was 2009. I can barely remember. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, so I remember we, we got to the, we met up with Steve at Greystone mm-hmm. and he was the nicest person ever. Hi, Steve, if you're listening. Um, I remember you being so nice. Thank you. Um, and he was kind of just letting us peruse around the, the house, or at least in the main part of the house, like a, kind of like that foyer area that was really pretty. Oh, you mean the vortex? The vortex. <laughs> Remember that? Remember he's like, oh yeah, apparently there was a psychic that came and she said, oh, you have a vortex right here. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. She was like, yeah, you have a vortex here. We're like, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, And so anyway, it was really cool because he just kind of let us peruse around for a little bit and then he kind of ha- re, I think he went off to do something and came back and, and he came back with the boom box. Yes. And I remember him saying that he was uh, going to show, like, let us hear something. Apparently it was, na- the they had filmed National Treasure. Mm-hmm. And the sound team apparently left some sound equipment on overnight. And they came back and it, they were like, oh shit, we left shit on. And, you know, 
movie production money wasted. Right. You know, whatever. <laughs> cool. um, it's just a million dollars because the race. <laughs> no, no, no big deal. So apparently, though, one of the sound guys actually listened to the footage out of curiosity if anything was picked up and that he could possibly use in, in the movie. And all of a sudden, it's like silence. And then all of a sudden, you hear this ruckus. Yeah, and I remember that. It was like people moving their equipment. It sounded, yeah, they, like they did say that they did find their some of their equipment had moved, but the actual sound that you heard on the recording sounded like dra- like dragging on the tile floor. You heard screeching, like someone moving furniture or like the equipment or a dead body or a dead body. <laughs> Possible. <laughs> um, and it was just kind of very. I mean, it was very startling to hear it because I was just kind of like, holy shit. And I was like, really? This is so awesome to hear it and to like to get that one-on-one time with him. And he, I was like, anything else that we should know about this yeah, house? Yeah, because of course, like creepy old, it was a creepy old Tudor looking house. And the first question that comes to our mind is, is it haunted? Is right? it haunted? And he was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was just very passive the way he said it though. So anyway, <laughs> I was like, okay. I'm think- well, because the whole time, we, like the moment we got there, I remember I was getting excited before any of this. I was like, this is where they filmed There Will Be Blood. Blood yeah. And the bowling alley. So I, like, I didn't really care about the rest of the house. I was like, I just need I just to see the, the bowling, bowling alley. alley. <laughs> I, I was like, I still have those pictures on our Facebook, so I will post them on Instagram, guys. <laughs> yeah. They, I mean, I just remember that and was like, that is my end goal. That's my end game. I need to make it to this freaking bowling alley. But anyway, he's going through this and I was like, oh man, all that just to get to the damn bowling alley. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, the thing that didn't come to mind is like I do have a level of sensitivity when it comes to the paranormal it's something that I don't really talk about too much Mm -hmm. um and it just didn't come to frame of mind because it had been a really long time since I've been impacted by the paranormal um I mentioned this too in our uh episode two guys of our Cecil Hotel of how um there's some places that don't tell you the history or the haunted history of a location and my sister and I went to the um mortuary or the haunted museum of New Orleans and when you go in and this is when it was open when you go in they don't tell you anything you have to feel and then you tell the owner or the docent you know what you felt and my sister felt a lot of crazy shit yeah so, so. that was yeah so that was I, would, I mean that was a long time ago that we had been to something and I felt something like that, that. was very so. intense for you yeah. yeah so the thing about the Greystone was that it I don't know I guess I didn't put two and two together and say oh I'm really gonna feel something it just didn't pop into mine I guess it had been that long and uh so it wasn't until though that we started actually going through the house with Steve and he was going room to room about the story of each room and its significance and it wasn't until we ended up going up a flight of stairs and we ended up in a small foyer that he said okay this is actually the servants quarters and Again, not really mu- paying much attention to, you know, kind of this. I mean, I was paying attention to the stories, but not really piecing together my sensitivity. I did kind of smell a faint smell of sulfur, like rotten eggs mm-hmm. in the air. And I'm thinking, okay, it's an old house. It's going to smell. Sure. And it's raining outside. I'm sure that probably, like, you know, it's going to spark some sort of. Maybe Steve farted. I, <laughs> I was thinking maybe you farted. Or maybe I farted. I don't know. One of us did. One of us did. But then as soon as I smelt it, all of a sudden I did get this kind of intense nausea feeling. It was as though I was going to throw up. 
and I'm like waiting for the heaving to start and I'm trying to like I'm trying to be cool like okay like I'm 23 I need to like maintain composure here and I'm just like <clears throat> like swallowing <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like mm, keep it down keep it down I noticed that you were just like quiet you're like I'm like are you okay dude I was like <laughs> I was like I was like dude I, I, I was like bad Chinese I don't know but anyhow it wasn't until we entered into this hallway I just remember this being very st- distinctly that there was a row of windows on one side and a row of doors on the other and he said that these were the bedrooms to the servants and then he started talking about one maid in particular apparently I believe it was the head maid Mm -hmm. and he said that there have been reports of sightings of this maid um, from afar just in a black figure and apparently it was associated with the sensation and feeling of nauseous and people feeling like they're going to throw up and apparently she it's always correlated to when they actually see this figure now i didn't see the figure yeah and i'm just thinking to myself i'm like okay can we can we move this along can we move can we can we go bowling alley. <laughs> i was like bowling alley um and so i just remember as soon as we finally end like ended up on the stairwell at the end of the hall all of a sudden the smell and the sensation just went away and yeah. I guess she didn't like me and was like, bitch, you best keep stepping because I don't need you here. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) and I'm like, and again, I didn't really, you know, I'm stupid. I'm a young 20 year old. And I'm like, oh my God, what just happened? Was that, (gasps) oh, was that her? Was it? She farted. Did she fart? (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) she's like, bitch, don't fart. (laughs) In my quarters, I remember, yeah, the story was this head maid was a bully and she didn't like she was harsh on her her team and i think there was a a, an account of a young maid that died or got really like severely injured too where she hit her over the head and the poor girl laid down and she didn't wake up could be wrong but i remember like this old like head maid was like the head bitch and she just was a bully she was the hbic yes pretty much yes so that was your, that was the, that, was that your only paranormal experience there? That was the only yeah, one, right? Yeah, that was yeah. the only one there. I didn't get, I mean, aside, yeah, aside from hearing the the recording and the boom, I just thought it was funny. I was like, dude, it's a boom box. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works, I guess. But, um, but no, I mean, that was the only thing I got. And then it wasn't until like, I guess maybe, you know, when I was talking to you, I was like, man, I guess it between the mortuary and the graystone i was like okay all right maybe ghosts don't like me and they feel like they need to mess with me <laughs> no it's you just know? that they mess with your sense in my opinion they just mess with your sensitivities is what it is it's like they know how sensitive you are and i mean you we don't have to talk about it now but you feel like there's something in your house is that correct yes so you want me to go into go it go into it oh okay trust me everyone's here for the booze and when it's like New Orleans ghosts, they're like, bitch, do it. <laughs> so actually, um, so where I so where I live is actually in an area called Gretna, and it's actually a historical area in New Orleans, and it's right across the Mississippi River. The Mississippi River. I can't talk. Um, and it's actually really close to um, the French Quarter. For my house, it's actually uh, about I would say 20 minute quick drive. It kind of feels like nothing. And 
I didn't feel it's not until actually maybe about a couple years ago that I started feeling something around my house. Now, my husband and I, we bought our home in um, historic Gretna. I would say in, yeah, it was two weeks after we got married. So that was in February of 2014. So we've been currently living here for five years. And I didn't start noticing anything until um, our son was born and we brought him home. And that's kind of when I started noticing some activity in the house. Mm. And it wasn't anything threatening, nothing that I felt like needed intervention of any kind. I noticed that my son um, would look into a particular corner in the house. And I'm like, okay, he's, you know, at the time he was about four months old. You know, he's just exploring. He's taking it in. But again, his eyes would be drawn into a corner of our home and it's actually where our stairwell is. And I just thought that's strange. Why would he be looking at that one corner? So again, not quite sure if that's, I would say paranormal, but I do feel it's strange that that's of all the corners in my house, that that's the one that he's looking at constantly. Now, the one sensation I will say that I've definitely gotten, and it's usually something that I catch in the corner of my eye. My husband and I recently installed a new front door with a window so you can clearly see outside and there's nothing obstructing the the view of uh of the window you know usually it's you know we don't see people passing by in front of the door or anything mm-hmm. like that there's nothing that would be it's high up it's like yeah on the top part of the door yeah. yeah so the door it's only it's a six panel um small six panel window um, towards the top of the door. And so there's, unless somebody is actually hovering at the front door, knocking on the door, that's the only way that you're going to see something in the window. So unless someone's at the front door, you're actually not going to see anybody pass, like pass by the door. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was kind of strange at first. Of all, I was like, is it a bug? I mean, we have a lot, you know, we have cicadas, we have termites <laughs> but nothing I'm like that huge. nothing that huge but I, you know and, and I, you know I always kind of tell myself that first in terms of you know being a voice of reason for myself it's like okay what could you know the first instinct that I always have is like is it a ghost it's never like that <laughs> it's usually like okay as big as the insects are here in New Orleans like what is that is it a, a roach is it a flying roach probably mm-hmm. a flying roach you know but and then all of a sudden I did start getting a sensation as I would leave the house and it wasn't a threatening one. It's never a one that would pose a threat or felt like it posed a threat. But it just felt like that there was somebody just at the door. And this is a community, like I said, it's a historical area. So I'm not, and I do know that in the past that this is kind of, this is an area that uh, slaves, a lot of slaves lived in at the time. And this is also an area that, and that, you know, uh, porch culture is a really big thing. People linger by the front porch in front of the front door this is an area that people, you know, know each other and they kind of watch out for each other. And that's kind of the sensation that I got whenever I would be on the way out and I would just happen to see this, you know, this, like I said, this kind of movement by the front door. And that's the best way I can describe it. It's more of a movement, not like a distinct object or figure or, Mm -hmm. um, 
shape. It was just more like somebody is moving in front of my front door. And it's always on the outside, right? It's always on the outside. And that was something also I know that you kind of have to put yourself in a frame of mind to where you have to exude some strength and and say, like, this is my house. Like, you may be friendly and you may be nice, Mm -hmm. but with the sake of my son, this is something that it's more like you need to stay outside. Like, I own this. (laughs) Yeah, and that's good that you do that. Um, Can you tell them what's up the street from your house? What is um, The historic... You have the, the historical houses down the street. Oh, yes. Yeah. So actually where we are, in, we are technically still in historic Gretna, but the historic lines and where the state um, acknowledges the historical value of the area, it's actually one block away from us. And so where we're at is actually in the industrial area and where everything is, is um, from our block until like cute little town hall. And then we actually have a prison not too far. The mm-hmm. police station's not too far from us either. But the front of the neighborhood and off of Huey P, uh, not Huey P, I'm sorry. Um, Lafayette Street. Mm-hmm. Lafayette Street is actually where there is a mat, like a very large uh, cemetery. Yeah. Um, and so you actually have to pass through the cemetery in order to get to um, the rest of the neighborhood. And it's definitely a sight to see because these are the cemeteries that you would normally think of when you think of New Orleans, which they are above ground. They are in- intricate and very elaborate. And you know, you can't bury your dead underground. You have to bury them above ground. Yeah. Otherwise, they're going to end up in the Mississippi and you're like wondering, well, what the heck just happened? <laughs> what happened to Dad? <laughs> um, and so there's always, you know, there's always people, and, th- and that's the other thing too. A lot of people who live in this area, they don't tend to move. These are people that have been here for a very long time. And the people who live here, especially in the historic um, designated area, they are people that have inherited their houses from their parents, from their grandparents. Mm -hmm. And so these are people who have been here a very long time. They have a lot of history. Um, And also the... Uh, the homeowners association here is really aware of that and so they like to have home tours that you can go and actually with the permission of the people here you can view their homes and you know understand a little bit more of the history of their family and the history of the house um so and, and it's funny because when houses go up for sale it's very few and far between that they do and if they do they are gobbled up very quickly because this is kind of a best kept secret in new orleans it is um yeah it's very you know and that's the other thing too it's very family oriented we have two really great schools and you know close by and like i said the police department it's i can literally see it from my front door and mm-hmm. I love it. So <laughs> I feel safe. <laughs> I feel safe. <laughs> and this is a great area actually for my son. And in a way I do feel, you know, um, like I said, I feel very secure in my house. I don't feel like there's anything threatening. And that's not the kind of people that are here or have lived here. Um, people here, like I said, they're they're out to watch out for each other. Um, they're always on the lookout for things that are out of the ordinary. And that's kind of the sensation that I get with this movement happening in front of my door is that there you know we got someone watching out for us and that's great that's awesome they just need to stay outside (laughs) (laughs) you um we talked about this before and i don't know if you want to bring it up but you have a feeling of who it might be yeah a, a feeling that i do have is just an older gentleman you know someone who has been here a very long time uh i get the sense that he is um you know, like I said, he's been here a while. He 
uh, knows the lay of the land. Like he's, he knows every inch of this area and it's just, like I said, he's not looking for trouble. He's not looking for, um, you know, to start anything. It's more like he is just on the lookout for everyone in the area. And that's like a really good feeling to have. So the sensation I get is, like I said, non-threatening. It's not somebody that I feel like is out to harm me or my family or my dogs. Oh my God, I'll cut someone. <laughs> if they hurt your dogs. <laughs> so if you think, so you see my sister posting pictures of her dog. I have three. So I have three dogs. I baby. posted it on our Instagram baby. story of the, cir- of the circus. <laughs> the of, circus. Of a, a little rose feet and then the three puppies. <laughs> yes. So that's my circus. Yes. But yeah. And I mean, like I said, this, this area has been really good to us. And I feel like even on the paranormal level, we're being taken care of. So that's, that's a, good. That's a good feeling to have. Um, Can you... Do you have a little, like, message for people that have your sensibility on how to, like, go about it? Because there's a lot of people that have it and they don't know how to, I guess, um, deal with it or control it. Um, It's not something I can say that you can control Mm because if it happens, it happens. I think it's really good to be aware of your sensitivity because, like I said, in the Greystone mansion, I did not put two and two together. And Mm -hmm. I'm the last person to make the association of paranormal because I'm more of a logical thinker in the sense that the first my first gut instinct is not to think of, okay, this is I'm having a paranormal experience right now. That's good. Um, You know, it's I always like to think of, okay, let's get in a rational frame of mind here. Are there bugs around? Are there things around that could obstruct my judgment or obstruct um, my, uh, why am I getting this feeling? Why am I getting this sensation? And if everything rolls out and it's like, okay, you know, maybe there is something out here that is, I don't want to say messing with me, but giving me a sign that they are here and they want me to know, mm-hmm. um, then that's, that's the, that's the takeaway is mm-hmm. there's something here that wants me to know that they are here and that they are present. I never want, I, I guess I'm naive in the sense that I want to think the best in people and yeah. the best in spirits. I never want to assume that someone is out there to get me or out to harm me in any way, shape, or form. And so for anyone that's listening, anyone that wants, that feels like you get these sensations, I don't think the first thing to do is panic. It's kind of like dealing with a dog. You don't want to panic in front of a dog because all it's going to do is want to jump on you and, yeah, you know, and um, so... You know, I think it's really important to, you know, train yourself in the frame of mind to just remain calm and it's okay. And if they want you to know that they're there, I would kind of feel a little honored to be like, thanks. That's exactly what I go through at David Oman's house. We had a huge experience that happened in the earthen wall room where the floor shook and everybody was still and everybody went crazy. And I was like, okay, what was the... Let's remain calm. What was the reason? Like, I pulled out my flashlight as everyone's screaming. I'm like, okay, the, let's review the footage, you know? But that's true. you got to remain calm, and you have to be in a rational state of mind. Yeah. That's true. And kind of going back to the front door thing, a lot of people are like, well, Ash, that could be that could be like the freaking termites. And I was like, well, term- it's not termite season, and I'm a smart neurolinian. I know not to turn on my lights. <laughs> and if I do, I best close my curtains because, yes, it will be a horde of, you know – termites and you know with all the other possibilities it's just more like a a gut feeling the best advice is just go with your gut you know that's true go with your gut if you like i said if if you've already gone through the process of elimination it's not bugs it's not this it's not that and you're just like no this is this is like someone letting me know that they're that they're here then go with that and that's okay you know i 
I don't really try and ride this train. I'm like, I can see spirits. I see I, dead people. I see dead people. I am haunted. It's definitely more of a feeling. And if that's what you have, then, you know, that's okay. If people think you're crazy, let them think you're crazy. Hell don't, yeah. Then they're insensitive. Like, <laughs> you know, and, that, and be like, whatever. You know, you're never going to know what I know. And just call it done. Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for chatting with us. Do you have anything else you want to say? Any last words? Nola till you die. And that's my sister, Ashley Merhab Lacey. Yeah. So, I mean, she kind of went off the story subject Um, and into her own just to, you know, pretty much explain like her sensitivity and paranormal. I love that. And I felt it was so important for her to tell everyone how she deals Mm -hmm. with it. Because I know that for some of our listeners, they don't know how to deal with their own sensitivity to the paranormal. And there's some that do, but there's a lot that don't. And I think that's the best piece of advice is don't panic you know well and i think we in general as this generation or as this point in history whatever it is we're very self-deprecating it's sort of like cool to hate yourself for whatever Mm -hmm. reason especially like self-deprecating humor is very like alive right now and that has its place but i think what your sister said was so true of just like if you're constantly telling yourself like you're wrong or you're not feeling this or you're not checking in with what you know is true like what your body and what your gut is telling you Mm -hmm. because you think you're for whatever reason not a worthy narrator like trust yourself it's okay like if you're feeling it trust yourself part two don't panic right like that's (laughs) yeah i love what i just love how like logically she broke it down yeah yeah it is unexplainable but that doesn't mean that you have to like be chaotic as well you can approach the chaos in a measured way Mm -hmm. love that yeah it's so true and um like i said we had that experience at david omen's house Mm -hmm. it was i have to find the footage but um long story short we were doing an evp session one of the girls in our group you know is very very sensitive mm-hmm. and i had her aunt ask a lot of questions in the earthen wall room as mm-hmm. you remember is one of the most active parts of the house and one of the questions um i can't remember what she asked but we stood there in darkness it was me and six other people mm-hmm. and we i felt the floor shake yeah something happened i thought at first someone fell right um but after that floor shook everyone started screaming crazy and in the footage you could see me like first off i'm like not screaming i'm turning on the light like the flashlight on my phone like what like what happened Mm -hmm. like did someone drop something did someone fall yeah going over the footage nothing fell no one tripped no one was moving as the floor shook wow yeah so we cannot explain it it's very weird well and i think you've talked about this before specifically with the omen house is like it's when people have this like thing to prove like the people that are like I'm sensitive and I'm clairvoyant and I know what they want and what they need yeah and like the spirits (laughs) are talking to To me me. yes like okay you're the coolest person like what do you want like a gold star you want a cookie like who cares Mm -hmm. but it's when people are just like oh sometimes this happens and like here's my experience yeah that, that seems trustworthy it's when yeah. they like roll up and they're like 
I know what these ghosts want. And you're like, okay, maybe okay. you like just, just go like fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Especially at the Omen House, like people that, as you've talked about before, like try and challenge him about like, no, yeah. that's not what they want. There have like, been people that have gone in there and challenge David. Not that he's the only one who has a say, but no, like he but does live there. He li- he's been living there for close to 20 years. Yeah, and then just, like you know, I've witnessed these people like tell him, no, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're listening. You don't know what you're doing. And he's like, fuck you. Get the fuck out of my house. Yes, I do. Yeah, it's 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 insane. But um. But moving forward with activities in houses and in this particular mansion, Mm. speaking with Steve, he's felt and seen a lot of things. Working there for 15 years. I mean, I asked him, I was like, Steve, what have you heard? What have you felt? What have you seen? He's like, oh, let me tell you, I've seen my first full body apparition. Um, That part where my sister um, Mm -hmm. starts to say, oh, we went to the stairwell at Mm -hmm. the end of the hall. Well, as we're going down that stairwell, it's like kind of winding down. Looks like a little like spiral staircase mm. and i think we were we're about to hit the bowling alley fi- finally and then we stop in the middle of the stairwell and steve tells us okay this is where i saw him and i said oh you saw the apparition he said yes i'm closing up i'm doing my walkthrough i oh go down God. the staircase yeah <laughs> be prepared bryce to scream um he says that he is hitting the staircase and he sees this man just standing in the middle of the stairwell just staring off and He's like, oh, sir, we're closed. You need me to escort you out. And the man is not responding. And so the man starts going down the staircase, but he notices, one, the man is, you know, see-through. And two, he's in a period tux. Like, he's in a butler's outfit with with gloves and all. Damn. And he is going to work. And by the time he hits the the bottom level of that staircase, he disappeared. And this is... Yeah, so this is from Steve. Yeah. You know, this is what he claimed to have seen. Yeah. And I believe him because, I mean, he's worked there. He knows the layout of that whole mansion. Yeah. I mean, and he loves working there. He's not scared or anything. He's like, no, I love my job. I love this place. I respect it and whatever else is here. Wow. But that whole story of the woman and her friend Camila and what they saw correlates to what Steve described to my sister people feel this feeling of sickness and they've seen this dark tall figure floating don't like that yeah so a lot of people like what he believes is the maid the maid is still checking in on people when she said that it was like checking yes i got like chills right oh why are you what are you doing on my turf kind of thing it's like fine if you see it that's one thing it's when it looks back at you mm-hmm. that i don't really handle that quite as well right and um the, he mentioned that there was a a famous psychic can't remember her name but she went through the mansion mm. she claimed that on um if you see pictures of the mansion there's this beautiful entrance this corridor it's checkered and then you go up the stairs and there's like this little wall by the stairs where she claims is a vortex apparently and in one of the rooms, you can hear, um, this is based on Steve's account, mm. um, you can hear children running and laughing. Oh, that's terrifying. The guest, <laughs> the, the guest suite that used to mm-hmm. belong to Hugh, people get an angry feeling. Oh, interesting. Very angry, um, panicky. Mm-hmm. Um, people get headaches. So, yeah, that's, you know, based from his accounts as well. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. crazy. And especially someone who's been there for so long, like... Mm-hmm. He certainly has enough of the time being there to pull those experiences. Yeah. To be like, oh, the presence 
whatever's there is probably used to him. He's been around so long, so it's probably more comfortable showing itself. To him, yeah, and he respects it. Like, mm-hmm. he honors that place so mm-hmm. much. Like, when I, when we would hear him talk about, you know, the history mm-hmm. of the land and of the of the, the mansion, like, he, you could just hear the passion that he has for his job and for that wow. property. It was, yeah. I see why, you know, he's still there and why they show themselves to him. Damn. Yeah, and like my sister says, if you have that sensitivity, do not panic. Also, side note on her story, I'm obsessed. Like, this is my house. You get to stay outside. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> no, right? Also, other takeaway, what is worse, a ghost at your door or a giant flying termite? Because honestly, hmm. I can't. I don't know which is worse. Hmm. Termites, man, because let me tell you, especially in New Orleans, whew, and I know everywhere else, but they fester a lot in that city. Yeah. yeah it is no bueno to have termites. <laughs> I know that that's a pain in the ass, especially to our listeners who are house owners. Like, they're like, termites are the worst. I can imagine. Termite, termites, mold, yeah, everything. Oof. Mm-hmm. Gross. You know what's worse? Being locked in a haunted museum. Yeah. (laughs) I forgot to mention this, guys. So I was in New Orleans this past weekend, which is why I had my interview with my sister. And um, our nephew was getting baptized in the quarter. And it's the same place where me and my sisters got baptized. So Mm. my niece was there present. And she's a fan of the podcast. So Isabel, if you're listening. Hi. Hi. And thank you, babe. Sorry that I said so many swear words. (laughs) Don't tell your mom. My sister is having luncheon after the baptism at Mm -hmm. the Hotel Provincial, which is a haunted hotel. Sure, sure. As you've seen in the BuzzFeed Unsolved episodes. Yes. So my... Uh, niece and I, we did a little paranormal, little minor paranormal walkthrough of the Huge. hotel. And then she wanted to do more. So we went to Muriel's down the street. We saw the haunted uh, dining room table, the little haunted table that they have on display. And then we went to Bloody Mary's Haunted Museum. We did a tour. I assume there weren't the Bloody Mary drinks there. No. Because I would go to a haunted place for a Bloody Mary. <laughs> <laughs> but you do pass the Oz Club on St. Anne as you're trying mm-hmm. to go to Bloody Mary's. Mm-hmm. I'll just stop there. Yeah. <laughs> but we did a tour and we did a seance. And then we continued the tour after the seance. And we continued the tour in Zach and Addie's apartment. And if you guys remember um, true crime history in New Orleans in the mid 2000s, that was the big homicide case where Zach had murdered his girlfriend, mm-hmm. Addie, in their apartment. Aww. And he chopped her up and cooked her Ew. in the oven, boiled her head on the stove. And they still have this the oven in the apartment. And I know that we posted something on Instagram that, oh, you know, we don't like it when people make a, you know, a business out of this. But for talking to Bloody Mary about it, she it's not a business. Yes, she runs a business, but... She does honor and respect them. Yeah, I, saying, I guess there is a way to do it. She does. And the way she tells her story about it, she wants everyone to learn. Mm. She says that Addie still roams around the apartment, roams around her property as a way to protect, mm. to connect with the females that go in and out. And I know some of our listeners have traveled to that museum oh, and wow. they've captured images. Yeah. Mm. So um, long story short, we were doing a live feed. Mm-hmm. Um my niece needed to use the restroom so we go downstairs and we notice downstairs is really dark and why are all the lights off and why are all the doors closed and i said no they did not forget about us did they i opened the doors i tried to open the doors they were locked (laughs) locked. 
my knee starts to freak out. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't freaking out. I was like, oh, this is so cool. We're locked in here. And my niece is like, this is not funny. This is not funny. I don't want to be here by myself. So fortunately, we unlocked the door because it was one of those locks that you can like counterclockwise the mm. knob and it will open. Um, then we go around the corner. Her shop is next door to the apartment in the seance room and it's completely locked. All lights are out. So we go to the gate. The gate is chained shut. Jesus. <laughs> and then the alarm goes off and that's when I start to freak out. I'm like, fuck, the alarm is going off. So we're calling out for help. Fortunately, this neighbor that lives next door, Mr. Gregory comes out and he's like, oh, you guys need help? Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> we were locked inside. He's like, oh, shit, I wouldn't want to be locked inside that place. <laughs> you know that's on him. Like, no shit, dude. Like, we just, we just got out. So, uh, yeah. Bloody Mary called me, apologized. Apparently, the person that was supposed to close was supposed to do a walkthrough. Didn't happen. We got locked in. And then she tells me, oh, yeah, the, the ghosts are telling me that they, they thought it was whole, the whole situation was funny. I'm like, oh, I'm glad that they had a big laugh about yeah, that. Yeah, you know, ghosts yeah. have fun too. <laughs> I'm in the afterlife, so that's me being locked in a paranormal. That like, sounds museum. like my worst nightmare. I, everybody was thinking about you, Bryce. If I, <laughs> if Bryce would have ran through oh, that gate, it would have been like Wiley Coyote, <laughs> like the little picture of me, like outlined in the wall. As I through, like, absol- well, first of all, I would never have gone. Like, let's right. start there. Mm-hmm. At night, especially, like maybe in the day to just see like the historical part of it. I can, right. Like, I try to be open. I went to the Omen House, so like that, that was, was awesome. Fine. Yeah, and it was a little scary, but it was mostly fine. <laughs> and so, like, I feel like I could, but. I would be in the boat with your niece. Like, as soon as I was no longer, like, able to get out. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. <laughs> it was fun. Mm-mm. With the right person, I would have done a lockdown. I was going to say, I feel like if with the right person, you would have just stayed. I would have stayed yeah. with some, like, had I had someone there with me. Because it's, like, still a pretty eerie place. Yeah. Like, she has a lot of haunted memorabilia in there. A lot of interesting pieces mm-hmm. there. But if you ever go to New Orleans, go stop by Bloody Mary's haunted museum she's there she's awesome she's great and along with mystic anastasia so ooh. Ooh, yeah and i'll be around the corner and drinking drinking at oz <laughs> you should girl all right so let's bring this little episode to a close Words. all right we do have some spiritual bays of the week first off we have hollywood exhumed follow maria i'm i'm gonna probably butchered this wasenauer Hi. sorry on instagram as she digs beyond the surface of not just hollywood and the surface of what time has forgotten and then second is the amazing beautiful drag host of the podcast ghosted Roz dress boatless she's the ghostess hostess with the mostess of the podcast ghosted and if you love ghost stories and drag then ghosted is the podcast for you love it yes it's amazing if you love hollywood paranormal guys we'd love for you to subscribe rate and give us a review on itunes not on yelp please Mm, it really (laughs) right it really helps us out a lot and it helps us become a little more visible and just an fyi guys we are not sound engineers so please forgive us with the background noise okay Eh, we live in i know whatever we live in la 
It, I mean, it's never a quiet place here, trust yeah. me. And I keep drinking right into the microphone, so I'm right. sure they hate it. But I really <laughs> like sparkling ASMR. water. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Can't get enough of Hollyweird Paranormal? Then stalk us on Instagram and Facebook at Hollyweird Paranormal and Twitter at HWP Podcast. Have a story that you're dying to share? Then uh, email us at hollyweirdparanormal at gmail.com. We've read your stories, guys, and we really do appreciate them. We'll be doing another listeners episode very 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 soon because we love reading your stories Bryce not so much but I like reading them I don't like being woken up in the middle of the night thinking about them but it's fine Jonathan alright guys catch up with our past episodes on Blueberry Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Stitcher SoundCloud Google Play CastBox Player FM and Spotify. Also, this is just a little announcement. If you live in and around the LA area, and this is for our homeboy David Omen. Yay, David Omen is hi. doing yes. David Omen is doing a paranormal barbecue ghost hunt on April the twentieth. You know what that means? That's full twenty guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know what that means. If you're interested in this amazing event, then head on over to www.theomenhouse.com for ticket info and more details. All right, guys. So, Bryce, do you have anything you want to say? No, but now I kind of want some barbecue. Oh, I know. Me too. Always, though. Mm. Like, I'm always hungry. Girl. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Girl. All right, guys. Much love. Stay Holly weird. Bye. Bye.